Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Um, I've just paid my guest the most beautiful compliment if you're wondering why she's laughing. Uh, welcome to Cassandra Gaysford in sunny New Zealand. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Melinda. Thank you so much for having me back again. It's really, really kind of you. Yeah. Now, Cassandra is positively sparkling here this morning. Uh, she looks glowing <laughs> and fresh and young and energetic. And I just mentioned that I may look a little bit haggard. Uh, and the reason that's important, everybody, is we're starting to put all our podcasts up on YouTube. I had Hanny Mora on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I've got all the gear ready to go. And today's the day, and Cassandra's going to be my guinea pig. So if you want to see beautiful Cassandra as well as hear her and listen to the advice that she's going to give us today, Today. Um, head over to YouTube. Please leave us a review because, as I said, this is the first time. Uh, okay. And just make a little mention that Cassandra's as pretty as she is and don't mention the old haggard one in the corner. Uh, Cassandra, <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. For those of um, those of us who don't know you from our last podcast, everyone, episode 20, I believe it was, um, and we did something, I can't even remember what we did, Cassandra, but if you go back to episode 20, you will find my first episode, uh, first interview mm. with Cassandra. We are now up to episode nearly 80, so it's been quite a while. And the success that Cassandra has achieved since then is absolutely amazing. So, Cassandra, tell us about yourself. Gosh, just in summary, why I'm here or why I wrote the book. Or... Oh, what do we want to know, everybody? Let's start with who you are and what you do. I think this is, um, and we'll lead into this in the Millennium Mindset book, because so many of us, you know, how do we define what we do? Because we're so eclectic now, and it is that true sort of renaissance that Joy, uh, Jeff Goins talks about. So I guess I call out myself, and people have called me a renaissance woman. I'm just, um, I am an award-winning artist. I've uh, written many books on Amazon, and, and most of them have gone to number one. I'm a photographer. I just, I suppose I'm an enthusiast. It's my job title. Right. I follow my enthusiasms. Yeah. I love oh, and of course, I'm a holistic psychologist and a, and a qualified counsellor, and I do a lot of work with energy. And I used to actually have a business helping people with colours. So um, that's important too. See how I've synergised with my book cover for the art, for make a, a living from your writing, and my new painting that I've only just begun. And it's a good example of it's not finished. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect sometimes. Just put it out there. Then I coordinate in my dress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now for the proper you can do that too. <laughs> for, for those of us who don't know Cassandra, and we've just had the whole podcast in two minutes here, uh, Cassandra is an entrepreneur. She's a creativity coach. She's a public speaker. And most importantly, we've got her here today because she's going to talk to us about her new book. And you can see it in the background there, Making a Living from Your Writing. And it's a really exciting book to have. And the reason it is exciting, and I've written it down, it's about discover your freedom, find happiness, and 
change your life is uh, is the words on the cover or other words on the cover which is really really exciting it's book one in the prosperous author series and cassandra's just told me on the secret so i'm going to blab it that she's actually got book two waiting in the winds wings about productivity hacks so we'll talk to you about that at the end cassandra but first of all tell us about in five brief words, um, because we're going to talk about it for an hour, uh, the prosperous author, author, uh, the prosperous author, developing a millionaire mindset. What made you come up with such a fantastic title that is so inspiring to all of us? Thank you for asking that question. Because um, yeah, as you know. There's so many options for what you could call a book, but I, I was quite compelled. I've been doing a lot of um, research into mindset and subconscious beliefs and sabotaging beliefs, and I guess that's my background too as a counsellor and a, and a psychotherapist. And then I came across this book, and I loved this book, and and it was, and I talk about this book and reference it in the back of um, the art of, oh, uh, and the prosperous author, but also my other books, the art of success, um, and I think his name, I get confused because he he goes T half Eka or it's half T Eka. Thank you to one of my readers who picked up the error and the inconsistency in the book when I when I referenced him, but he wrote a book about. Um, the um, millionaire mindset and I like that idea because it's not necessary we're not all chasing money not everybody who wants to be an author and I look at this in the book the prosperous author what does prosperity mean and it's not always masses and masses and billions of coin Um, for some people I know Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's Search for Meaning you know he wanted to give something back and show survivors of outswits um, will show how people use their mindsets to survive the horrors of that. And he, he wasn't motivated by money, and we're all much richer for his books. So I think that's an important thing. But it's also important, the millionaire mindset, I, I suppose I chose as well, because it's a good aspiration. I think many of us are aiming too low, and um, maybe we're, well, we are. We're limiting our beliefs about what's possible for some of us entrepreneurs that maybe don't have the big leverage that some of the big guns have. But we can get yeah. yeah, and I think that's a really good spot to start, Cassandra. Uh, we don't aim as high as we, we could or we should. As you know, I work with kids. I'm always inspiring yeah. them to get out there uh, and the world is yours. Um, but there's a lot of fear around those those choices that we make, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's part of my belief. And one of the, um, my background, one of the, because I've often not put enough of myself in my books, you know, I'm referencing a lot of other people and what they're all doing. And one of my advanced readers said, well, we want to hear more about your story. And I've certainly experienced firsthand, and so have many people, and you will have experienced this yourself, where when you start to flourish or you have aspirations, there's a very, very toxic component in our society that is very, particularly in New Zealand, it's probably like that in Australia. In New Zealand, we call it the tall poppy syndrome. If you start to flourish, just because you want to flourish, because you want to grow, you want to fly like the book Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which I love, you know, they go, who do you think you are to fly? You can't fly high. Seagulls don't fly high. Well, who the hell said that? And why are people, why are people so quick to tell people what they can't achieve? And worse, let's come back comes back to the thing in the book. Why are we so quick to listen or to, I dumbed down in my own life, I used to have this fear of being in the spotlight 
so much so that when I was planning my wedding, I, I wanted a table down the back so nobody would look at me. You know, I just had this crippling fear of standing, you know, that's how bad it was. Come to my wedding, but don't look at me. Um, <laughs> and I can laugh now, but I, I've, and I talk about this in the book, I've spent a lot of time having, and many of us in, in, as authors, if you're writing, um, say fiction, we're always looking at the character arc, and it's usually the character arc. The growth comes because there are the wounds that are, that are usually the childhood wounds that give us these sort of really damaging, um, self-limiting beliefs imposed by others, and we we try to get out of that script and into a new story of prosperity for for us. Yeah, and it's interesting, um, everyone. For all of you who are listening out there. This book has been written for you. It's been written for me, definitely. And the questions that um, Cassandra asks is it's for anyone who has dreamed of becoming an author, for anyone who wants to make a living from books, and for anyone who wants to release the fear of failure, get motivated and achieve success. So that really is that core element, isn't it? We can all do it if we believe we can do it. Yeah, and so, so much of the um, research in all areas um, across all spheres, whether it's sports or whether it's art or whether it's writing, is all around this sort of this having this empowering belief. Uh, so it's so critical, and yet it's so hard to sustain. And that's what I talk about in the book as well, is uh, I know Joanna Penn, who we all um, love dearly and all the things that she inspires us to achieve, and she's, she always believed she could never write a book. You know, look at her now. I believed I couldn't finish a book, and look at me now. And and it's the same. So this book is really sharing not just my success strategies, but many authors that we all admire: Paulo Coelho of The Alchemist, um, James Patterson, who had such a damaging childhood. Um, you know, Paulo Coelho was told to forget about writing and, and be a lawyer. You know, so so many people have to battle their families to to live in their light. Uh, so, yeah, belief, that's where it comes from, and that's why, you know, the millionaire mindset is having a really sparkly belief. Maybe I'm limiting it. Maybe it should be the gazillionaire <laughs> mindset, but, you know. <laughs> how, can, how can we resist, everyone? Now, I do have a quote from, I, call, I pronounced it um, Paolo Coelho, so how did you pronounce it again? Well, I don't know if I've even got it right because Spanish, I think it's Cualo, Cualo, Cualo. I know Tim Ferriss pronounces it right because he can do everything right. But um. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the quote that Cassandra has in her book from this gentleman. Uh, know what you want and try to go beyond your own expectations. Improve mm -hmm. your dancing, practice a lot and set a very high goal, one that will be difficult to achieve because that is an artist's million, to go beyond one's limits. An artist who desires very little and achieves very little uh, has failed in life. Oh, I love that too. Is it your favourite? One of your favourites? Uh, it's one that I thought was particularly pertinent. I do have another quote, everybody, to finish off the podcast yet, but we don't want to finish yet, so we're going to keep you talking a little bit longer. <laughs> Actually, we're going to keep you talking a lot longer. Get out your pen and paper, everybody. There is a lot in this book that you need to take down. This is another one of our educational podcasts where we come away with some practical things uh, that Cassandra is going to share with us. And the very first one, I got a blog post from Cassandra this morning. That 
that made me pretty excited. It said how to finance your oh. how to finance your writing career. Now we want to know how to finance our writing careers um, because we want to sit in our studies with our cats and our chocolate bars and live happily ever after. Um, but before you answer that, she's got a chapter on health as well, and we're not allowed to have alcohol, and we've got to go to sleep early. But we'll talk about that later. For a start, tell us how to finance our writing careers, please. Well, this because the big part in this book is how do we overcome obstacles because there's always something in the way to our dream always always and one of the biggest things that many people struggle with is financing their career so I just looked at what a few people have done successfully and um, and people can look at that blog post and and, and also it's in the book Um, and some of those things are for instance, the guy who who was the star or was the inspiration for the world's fastest Indian, Bert Munro, okay, he wasn't a writer, but um, he's he actually inspired a whole movie and, and inspired other writers. But he, he financed his career at the age of 67, I think. He, he just had a big dream, and he said, if you don't follow your dream, you might as well be a vegetable. What kind of vegetable? A cauliflower. So he decided to mortgage his... He just... He mortgaged his house. You know, so many people are quick to maybe get the new tally or the new, I don't know, new car or the world trip. And you can actually, you're creating an asset when you're um, borrowing to create. And I talk about this, there's good borrowing and then there's bad borrowing. So you're, I think it's really important to have a business mindset and you're actually investing in your own success. So that's one way. Then I also talk about, a new friend that I've discovered and I feel quite fortunate to have discovered her when she's just starting and her, you know, and this is good for those of us in the midlife plus zone and she's now I think 64 and her book is going to be made into a movie and it's called The Tattooist of Outswits. It's a very, very powerful true love story and I even get shivers just thinking about it. And she shared with me how she sort of reached out, I'm not familiar with this but I'd like to get familiar, but crowdfunding. So um, many of us, if we tap into the youth, so she tapped into the youth of her children who told her, why, hey, mum, why don't you try crowdfunding? So she learned how to do this sort of crowdfunding. Do you know crowdfunding, Melinda? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that we know use crowdfunding to get some of their apps and some of their books and some of their projects off the ground. Um, maybe mm. that can be a subject for a podcast, everyone. I'll look into it further. I've watched yeah. and I've learned, but I'm far too lazy to actually execute it myself. Um, so yeah. one day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but for her, what was inspiring about this is, is just the momentum and the power of her story attracted um, agents and editors who, you know, they came and approached her and took on this writing project. Without that crowdfunding, she never, and putting her work out there, she wouldn't have attracted this interest. And then they had the power then to take her story to the world. And you've got people like Steven Spielberg and others. This is a lady in Australia, Melbourne. You should get her on the show for sure sure um she you know there she is thinking gosh you know i just have to pinch myself i can't believe this is happening and she's sharing with all her covers that have been designed all around the world and i'm really excited to ride the ride with her and so this is um you know this was one strategy can you remember any others that i that shouted out at you did you scan through it or you just quickly saw it um <laughs> I don't think I, I haven't got an answer to that because I'm still getting over the tattoo of Altwitch. Uh, oh, the other one, I'm just trying to remember because you signed my mind. Oh, you're talking about the article. 
Is that what you're talking about? Are you yeah. talking about the blog post, the the strategy? Yes, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I yeah. went straight down the crowdfunding lady in Melbourne route, and I forgot about the blog post altogether. Everybody, this happens every time I speak to some of these women. They have so many exciting stories to tell that I forget what we're talking about. Yes, I do. I have a list. Uh, you can reduce your outgoings. You can get funded, which is what we just were talking about to the point that I forgot what I was doing. Uh, you can multiply your income streams, which is something that a lot of us are looking at at the moment. So maybe you could share that one with us. Well, I've always called it because you know, my background's in career coaching as well um, and recruitment and the way it days gone by, but I love this thing and I call it, and this was inspired by McDonald's, I call it the career combo. So, so basically, it's how can you, you know, look at a day. Maybe you don't have your writing isn't your full time gig. You know, I still do uh, my my psychology, my coaching, my creativity coaching. That's another parallel income. I know some people that they run sort of they have a barber, a barber's career, or one guy who's just had a book deal. He's a scientist, and so he keeps that job and he does his writing. Or, as we know, in entrepreneurs, they're looking at well, how you're doing that successfully with with um, your online teachable uh, courses and, you know, then the momentum with the podcast, which will gain more momentum, which attracts more people. And so you just, you know, as we know, there are different ways. I think it's really important. The Millionaire Mindset is about how to think creatively. And it's not putting barriers. It's saying you just tap into your intuition and say, how else? How can I fund my writing career? Um, and then you go and search of answers in my book or in Google or wherever, and you will find the answers. See, another one, of course, is you can enter competitions, and that can fund your writing career because a publisher might just take you on, and then you don't have to do it the hard I wouldn't call it the hard way. I enjoy being um, the CEO of my own publishing company, and I know many self-published authors do. But, you know, there's a lot of... We're, we're like octopuses, aren't we, Melinda? We've got so many... You know, we do the editing, we do the cover design, we do the creation, we do everything. But I quite like that. But, hey, yeah, great. If you can take it offside um, and get someone else to do it. But you could also enter competitions or go to people like in New Zealand, uh, Creative New Zealand, you can apply for a funding grant. If um, I might try funding grant for my book that I've also written about, um, we'll talk about alcohol later, but um, <laughs> about, you know, your beautiful mind, control alcohol. Um, maybe maybe someone will help me fund that because it's such such a critical topic in our society. Not talking about abstination or giving up completely, but it's got out of control. So that's a passion project for mine. I could seek funding somewhere else instead of funding it myself. Yeah, and and there are so many things to unpack, everybody, and Cassandra is covering about a million of them at the moment. Remind me that I'm here to work and remind me that I'm here to ask the questions because I'm just sitting back and listening. Uh, let's, let's go back to the beginning of your book. Um, the, the reason that we all want this book on our bookshelves, we don't just want an e-book, we actually want a paperback copy, everybody, because we want to use this as a bit of a Bible. As I said mm. to Cassandra before the podcast, I have very few Bibles, and most of them are Joanna Penn's at the moment, uh, plus Tools for Titans by Tim Ferriss has turned oh, into another that. Bible. Yeah. yeah, that I just flick through when I'm bored. I thought, you know, some people go out and um, go out to dinner, I sit there and flick through my books. This one, this Make, make a Living from Your Writing is one of those 
books and I'm going to get Cassandra to send me uh, quite a few copies so that I can give give some of them away to you guys. I think it's... Um, I guess it's the crux of what we're doing here at Writer on the Road. It's getting our stories out there. It's making a living from our yeah. writing. And Cassandra wrote the book first. It's really, really, really good. And it's a um, very intelligent lady. Uh, we've got other books from her. I'll just mention uh, Coco Chanel, Lita, Leonardo da Vinci. You keep hearing yeah. a lot of um, historical references from Cassandra. That's because she's a deeply learned woman who has just rolled away on her chair and she's back again now. Uh, it's yeah. Leonardo. And it comes back to what you saying but because I'm an artist I'm interested you know I'm not a journalist writing to people um, and telling them how to make a living from their writing because they're very sort of learned sort of great authors I am actually an artist and I am a writer and I'm a researcher and I'm a, a lover of others success secrets so um, I still exactly like you and Tim Ferriss shares that as well in Tools of Titans in the beginning he says, you know, the reason that he wrote that book because it was the book he wanted to dive into and remind himself because he is openly, he will share how he suffers from anxiety and feeling not worthy and all these things. He said most people, most of the successful people, they still battle that every day. So let's like normalise the fact that we get discouraged, despondent and despair from time to time. But let's elevate by, you can just flick at a page um, like I've just flicked at a page, I call it bibliotherapy, book therapy, uh, and I go list your things to do. Leonardo's telling me it is useful to constantly observe, note, and consider. And I think, thank you, Leonardo. That's so true. I must go back to my notebooks, which is how I wrote the book and how Tim Ferriss wrote Tools of Titans and how all your readers are scribbling away all the time, keep scribbling, and then importantly, get those words out there into your box, into the world. And then they might just help a soul, like Melinda, you've said you love this book. Well, if I hadn't have had the courage to just stick it out, even though I still think, gosh, is it good enough? You know, so I always think, oh, it's lovely when someone tells me they like it, because I still go, because I have that deep history of being told I'm not good enough, that that I that I'm um, I think I'm better than everybody else, and I should I should be more sh you know I don't know contrite or more dumb it down so others can flourish. So I always battle that all the time. You know, yeah. how don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's um, getting that balance as well, which we'll talk about later. Uh, now, when I spoke to Cassandra at episode twenty, you had not as many books out as you have now, and now you seem to really have taken your own advice and you have really upped the ante with your career. You are working hard. You are succeeding. What What would be the single biggest change since I spoke to you six months ago, or be nearly twelve months ago now? I, I I think well it comes back to applying that's why I wrote the book to to kind of be thinking well what do I need to be doing differently to elevate my success so that's why I wrote that book and then I have to obviously and I love actually I always used to hate proofreading and editing but now I love it because I go back in deeper deeper into my book and I learn and I apply all the time and I think a big thing was this sort of I was working. Um, I put a lot of energy into supporting my partner's business and that was fine, you know, at the time and doing a lot of writing for him and blogging and being his communications person and all the marketing because I kind of in the background I was thinking I won't be able to make enough because we moved up to this millionaire property overlooking the ocean and the Bay of Islands and I, so I left the big city and the ease of making income by just sort of going into an office. 
And so I gave up. I stopped that. I uh, I think somebody says burn your ships, you know. So I so I just said, look, I need to I need to concentrate on my writing. And so I took away the security of that income, and then I had to think, how am I going to replace it? So that that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and going from strength to strength gives you, I guess, that little bit of confidence to help uh, people coming along behind you. Now, Cassandra started all of this, I believe, with your – it's now a box set, um, your mm-hmm. midlife career change box set, which I think yeah, gave you a little bit of – career rescue. Yeah, gave you a little bit of notoriety because um, we all get to that mid-career state. Well, some of us who were working for a living uh, get to that m- mid-career and go, is this all there is? And what inspired me earlier on in the conversation, you talked about several people who are in their 60s who yeah. are going out there and changing. And I thought, we're still spring chickens. We've got plenty of time before we have to go out and do too much more. It's amazing the opportunities out there, isn't it? And I suppose that, again, the Midlife Career Rescue Series came because of my – I used to be a columnist with the one of the major papers here in New Zealand, right, just writing free advice about career change. And the number, number of people that wrote to me about how their partners, wives, you know, all sorts of people were despairing because they thought that they were too old to change, that everything had been whipped away from them, they'd lost their jobs or they couldn't get other jobs. And they had this really – terrible mindset that sometimes in society is so prevalent that you're too old like I remember being at university I went older I was a single mother and I was um, 30 I turned 30 and I said to my group we were doing a a class and I said oh I can't I can't come next week because it's my 30th and they looked at me in horror and said oh my god you are so old at 30 and they said we thought you were one of us and actually I think all of us in our 50 I'm what am I I'm born in 1965 what's that 52 this year um I think so many of us are so much younger now and we're younger because we're following our passions and that gives us you know a childlike radiance a joy that is that keeps us young and we could live well we probably all will we'll be doing this podcast and I'll be saying yeah I'll be 100 next week can you believe it Melinda <laughs> we'll be up we'll be up to episode 2365 <laughs> like um JLD on EO fire my god I'm talking about acronyms <laughs> uh, now I am going to Try and be strict because I could talk to Cassandra all day and it happened the last time as well. Just a fascinating woman. I'm going to be really strict and I'm going to bring it round to your book and I'm going to start talking about what we need to do, everybody, to get our books out there and to do what we need to do to cultivate that millionaire's mindset. So I want to start off, You, I want to talk or I want you to talk to us about planning for success. Planning for success, did you say? Yep. Right. I'm not really a planner, um, so that's really interesting. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. It's just a chapter in a book. I just thought she might have known what she was talking about. We'll move oh, right along. <laughs> no, it is actually interesting because I guess I'm a visionary. I, I'm a. I'm. I guess I call myself a. I, I'm. I'm a manifester. The word planning is so critical, of course, and some concept I plan, but I've always associated. I guess that's being what they call, don't they, the plotters and the pantsers, you know. And I don't tend to be a planner per se, but I am learning to value that. And they talk about in Jungian psychology, as we get older, we start to value those sides of us that we haven't really valued before. So I, I did um, planning for success. 
is actually by looking at the masters who do this well. So I did a class with James Patterson. I think it's a creative live. I can't remember the the module. It's it's like $90 course and you can like listen to James Patterson. It's amazing. And he talked about, you know, how plotting your books or planning, and I think this comes into our business careers, If even if it's just on post-its, you know. I'm, I'm a big fan. Joanna Penn talked about this on the podcast, the post-its post-it business planning tool this is my day today you know i i quite like that because i tend to be um get too much i'm like many creative people and this is why i like having written this book because you know many creative people are just like me we we can get shiny object syndrome and get you know um, lured away or perhaps we're barking up the wrong tree and we're chasing a dream that's not really our dream so planning I think when you go back to everyone listening today and I talk about this in the book is is really create a compelling desire really get clear about what your compelling desire is what what is in your heart not what do you think is practical I've made mistakes like thinking oh maybe I'll write that book because that's where the money might be I think that's relevant you you need to sort of be aware of the market but also to fulfill a need. But also, what are you, what are you excited by? And so, for me, part of the planning, I I love that image of the racing horse. Um, I love horses, <laughs> and um, my grandmother was a horse trainer, and my family. Have, I, I'm afraid of horses because they they kick me a lot. But I love the thing. So for me, creating the compelling. <laughs> But, well, because they love their freedom, actually, and that's why I love them. I'm not a big fan of, of curtailing their freedom, which is why, for me, this image really is firing my success and my planning because I want to be that free. I want to have that power. I might be a bit like a foal stumbling around in the early days and people listening. There's, you know, there's so much to learn, but if you learn from the experts, if you allow yourself like the horse to be trained by the experts and don't try and do sort of everything yourself, Melinda's podcast is brilliant. You can listen to experts, you know, knowledgeable, we're never an expert, but knowledgeable people um, sharing their fast tracks for success. So my fast tracks strategy as a career coach and an author has been visualize it really make it juicy create like um, a dream board or a passion journal or um, something so you can see it because what happens in the millionaire mindset it's not just our minds we have to engage our hearts so it's so exciting that you just become unstoppable and that, for me, has been a major part. I, I visualize, I manifest every day. I look at an affirmation um, that I've created about how much money I'm going to be generating. Not just that, how many, how many hearts, how many people I'm going to be able to help and connect with, um, because that's where the money comes from, doesn't it? Like Anita Roderick said, we communicate with passion and passion sells. So if people are loving whatever you're doing out there because you put your heart and soul into it, then um, that so that's important. Start to see that. I talk about with Marissa Peers, Marissa Peer, who's a celebrity hypnotherapist in Britain, and she really talks about you know our minds. It's what we tell ourselves, but it's what we see and feel. So that's that's foundation one. Get excited. Get creative. Don't I find list making and business planning really um, draining? Actually, <laughs> do you like to- 
I wasn't quite sure where to stop her there, everyone, because Cassandra was on a bit of a roll. But as we were talking, you have to watch this on the YouTube channel now so you can see all the things that she's holding up. She's been holding up post-it notes, and now I am a post-it note queen. My desk's always covered in post-it notes, and I get great satisfaction in ripping them up and throwing them on the floor when I'm finished. Uh, then I've got to pick them all up. Uh, Cassandra's also been holding up the cover of her book, which has the picture of a horse made out of paper mache, I think he is. He's made out of newspaper. Um, I think it's a hundred dollar bill. Oh. Yeah, his origami um, millionaire horse, <laughs> <laughs> and he's a he's a gorgeous horse as well. Uh, the thing... he might be a lady too, and maybe a she horse, even more powerful. Oh, of course, we've got to have girl horses, everyone. Uh, now, the thing that I took out of that that I just wanted to draw your attention to, everyone, was listen to your teachers. You don't know where your teachers are going to pop up. This came up with me yesterday. We've been running, uh, Sam and I have been running some workshops with the kids in at um, the Queensland Academies. And one little girl, she'd be 15, 16, and she raises three courses, but she doesn't really take anything from them. And I said, what you have to do, darling, is you have to slow down and you have to listen to your teacher whether you think they're telling you something or not because mm. one day you will remember that teacher's words and you will put into effect what you've, what you've been told. Um, we don't know where our teachers are going to come from. We don't know where they're going to pop up. I certainly didn't know I was going to become so engrossed in Cassandra's book that it was going to become my new Bible. Um, now, I did not expect that. I didn't think it was going to happen and it did and you just don't know and you've got to be open to that. Mm.